Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we're recording. I have my Dwight Schrute hair, my bangs, because I got up this morning and didn't do anything. And I was talking to my mom on the phone. And I said, oh, I'm recording with Eliza today. And she said, well, you're, are you going to fix your hair? And I said, no. And she's like, but you're, Eliza's going to see you. It's on camera, right? I was like, yeah. And she's, and you're going to leave your bangs like that? Like a gas, like so horrified that I would do this to you. I mean, we're basically a married couple. Like you were with me like the moment I found out I'd had a miscarriage. Like it's okay if I see your bangs weird. <laughs> that they're sticking straight. Because they weren't, I saw my parents yesterday and they weren't great. And they're like, okay, you look like this for us. That's okay. But but you're going to fix it for Eliza. Just be grateful that you have straight hair because as someone with curly hair and not bangs on purpose, but just like broken short hairs in the front, at least yours are manageable. When you've got curly short like natural bangs. Like there's just no, you can't put them behind your ears. You can't tuck. It's just, just be grateful your hair is straight. And I hate when girls with straight hair are like, oh my God, I love curly hair. I'm like, no, you like the idea of it and you need a lot of it for it to look lustrous. Other than that, you just look like Miss Frizzle. <laughs> Miss Frizzle. Hot secretary, <laughs> hot teacher. <laughs> yeah, it looks good as long as you don't have to like look at the back. Anyway, stay straight. <laughs> Stay straight. You can't tell people to stay straight. <laughs> Make America straight again. <laughs> no. Keep Wait, it straight. Somebody must have used that, right? That must be a slogan. Somewhere. What company would be like, let's mess with people's emotions about sexuality? But I'm saying and, like some hate group must have said, Make America straight again. <laughs> um, It's just so funny because it's just like, if you don't think that like gays have been around since, I mean, they were like probably gay dinosaurs. Like it, people just got to accept like they've been here too, just as Jews have been. Um, it's funny. I was thinking yesterday about like, I'm not, there's people talking about like white pride. I'm like, that's such a weird thing to have. Like, I'm not proud to be white. My skin happens to be white, but like white isn't a race. Like the idea of white pride is so fundamentally flawed and bizarre 
The only reason people are proud of their other skin tone is because people who were white were like, you should be embarrassed of this. But like to inherently, the idea of what's happening. Oh, hello. Whoa. Hold on. <laughs> hello. Hmm. Oh. Sierra's microphone. Where's Sierra's microphone? Okay. Oh, God. Gross. You got baby juice on it. Sierra's microphone is in the living room sitting on the, next to the TV. And you have to hold down the circle and then she can sing Rain, Rain, Rain came down, down, down into it. Let's put a pin in my white pride rant. Hold on. <laughs> my anti, my weird white pride, anti-white pride rant was interrupted because <laughs> Sierra burst in. So Netflix is a joke is like the festival they do. And they sent this big promo box. And one of the things they sent was like a full microphone, like an adult play school one that like has its own amplification built into the mic. And I stupidly was like, hey, Sierra, here, you can have this. And she just walked around with it for a while and then started singing the rain, rain, rain came down, down, down from Winnie the Pooh over and over in it. But she doesn't really have any melody. So it's just every couple seconds you would just hear like the rain. Down, down. down. To, to be the fair, rain. I feel like that is kind of just what you do as you walk around just making sounds. Making sounds. But then I give it to her. I'm like, okay, let's do it for the podcast. And she won't. Of course not. I really respect that she won't do it on command. I love it. <laughs> she needs Stay. to be paid her fee. There you go. Into your white pride rant. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, why would I be proud? I'm, I could be proud. Like, I could be not. I can't be proud to be white because that just doesn't resonate with me. Not even like on a woke level. No. But I can be happy. I can love, I can love that I have fair skin and embrace it versus feeling bad that I'm not tan, which I'm supposed to be. Right. I, it's not a It's race not thing. cool. I, right. I, it's just not cool. Like uh, as much as white people get everything, um, there's kind of a branding problem. Like it's not cool. I'm not like, Ooh yeah. White people. Look at all the cool stuff. Nobody's trying to steal stuff from white people. Nobody's like, Oh, the white people started a trend. Let's get on it. You know, like there's just, there's not good marketing behind white people. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the marketing now, like, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. I feel like there's the bar setters and the tradition holders. And that's usually just whoever had power. Yeah. So it's not, Inherently, like, these ideas are better. It's just, like, that's who was always in charge. We talk about tradition the other day and how, like, when people talk about tradition, they're like, well, traditionally, I'm like, tradition is based on power. Like, traditionally, women stayed home because they didn't have the option of leaving. So a lot of times when you reference tradition, what you're referencing is oppression. Yeah. And so it's this weird thing to hear. It's like, I like a more traditional role. I'm like... That's okay if you enjoy it, but let's not act like women or people of color or any other minority throughout history was like, we'll take the shitty road because we love this. Tradition is men get to do everything and you sit quietly. So I was just thinking about that word the other day. Anyways, this got very off topic. But the idea of white pride, if you are someone who says that, and I'm not even like trying to sound like fight racism, you're an idiot because you're saying like you are proud to have white skin, which means that you're saying you are the same as anyone else with white skin. <laughs> that means if you're Czech, you're the exact same. If you're as a Russian, as someone from Argentina, Mexico, like it's insane. Yeah. That you think you have that much in common with literally every person just because they have white skin. <laughs> 
What a what a disparate kickoff to this episode. Uh, White Pride and Sierra. Well, I'll just tell you, Kool Aid Man. I've been practicing. I've been practicing going on walks in the morning. They say you shouldn't look at your phone when you wake up. So I've been practicing. Wake up, brush my teeth, take Tianfu for a walk. Sans phone. Oh, and I find that it's like my my mind gets to just kind of spin. And it's better for your circadian rhythm. So that's my new practice is not looking at my phone, especially on a weekend. Like no one's texting you on a Saturday. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, I start the day, I roll over, grab my phone, one eye is still closed and I'm like scrolling. Like what's happening? It's so, it's so bad. I also would like to say, and this is just, I'm sorry I sound so bad. <laughs> I, I, my Breathe Right strip isn't working anymore. Oh, so no. my nose is, I know. So my nose is clogged. So I sleep with my mouth open. So I just wake up with like a coating. And now I feel like I made myself sick. Okay. I don't know. Is your is your breathe rate strip like you've been using one strip and you need another strip? Or is it like your clog is now so powerful the breathe rate strip can't fight it? My clog is powerful. <laughs> breathe rate strip can't do anything. It's so sad. Uh, yeah, I just... Um, <laughs> But I was talking to Noah about this because you're talking about scrolling with like one eye open, which is very satisfying because you get that dopamine hit. But I think a big part of being an elder millennial or being an intelligent person is knowing how to interact with the internet while like staying aware of the fact that it is slowly killing you. And I say that meaning like I've noticed that what Instagram serves me at night, particularly late at night, is totally different than what I am served during the day. And what it serves me at night are things that are meant to make you scared. Whether it's propaganda videos, just videos of like surveillance footage of someone stealing something, like things that are kind of like local news-ish that make you anxious, Uh, conspiracy theories or just eerie music or just those videos of the kids where they're just pointing to the top, like, check out this fact. And what you have to understand about the internet and the weaponization of the algorithm and information is that most of the people who are giving you this quote-unquote information aren't actually doing it in the name of educating or spreading info. They're doing it in the name of getting their page views. So I talked about this in my book, but like you will go at 1130 at night and you'll see some like kind of sad music, maybe something makes you feel anamoya or nostalgia. And it'll be like, come watch Christmas in the early 2000s in your suburb. And they'll show you images of like the by your lost childhood, right? And you kind of get sad. And you realize it's just some fucking 22-year-old who built an account who doesn't actually care these things are not curated oftentimes with positive intention in mind. And I think people need to remember the intention. If your account is like 90s nostalgia, hey, I'm an elder millennial. I want to share this because I want to build a community. It's one thing. But if you're just some person doing this, here's eight facts about World War II. Here's 10 things. Here's 10 crazy laws during slavery. And none of your content matches that. It's just there to make you anxious. And then you watch more because you're like, oh, I need this information. So just remember, a lot of people are making a lot of money off of you feeling bad. And it also influences your desires. Like, stay woke. You don't actually want to go to Home Goods. Mm. Some of you might, and that's fine. 
But we've created this generation of like, oh, I do I need a coffee stand in my house? No. People not having these independent thoughts. And it's okay to be swayed. We all are by like marketing and advertising. But in that book, Filter World, you know, he talks about that homogenization of everything. We all just kind of want the same things. And you have to be aware of like, you're being told to want things that you don't fundamentally actually want. Some people do, and that's okay. But I just think less time on the internet to remind yourself that you are a free thinker who doesn't want the majority of those things. Because your algorithm, because like I look at my burner account, I follow like CNN and like four celebrities, but what it naturally serves you is pure sugar garbage. Like shade room videos, news clips of people getting arrested, low level celebrity news, like lowest common denominator consumption is what everybody is being served. And you have to continually like stretch your brain to be like, I actually don't care about this. Or maybe you do. Anyways, that's why I don't look at my phone in the morning and I never, the white pride thing. I don't know. I just, I was thinking about how funny it is to be like, I have white pride. Like what? What are you talking about? Right. You can't take it seriously. Like, great. I guess you don't have anything else going for you. Cool. Yeah. If you're white, you can't be proud of your skin color. You can just not be ashamed of it. Right. <laughs> it's your only option. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm busy. And this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around. And I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe 
for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. All right. All right. Let's, well, this is a this is a. Do we tell them it's an evergreen? Yeah, episode? I think it's fair to it's. I think it's fair to let the people know that at some point you will be giving birth to a baby. We wanted to have yeah. an episode ahead of time. I've asked you eighteen times, Hey, Eliza, you're going to be giving birth. Like, do we want to block out a few weeks where we just put up old episodes? Do we want to like tell them we can't record any ads that we're going to? And you're like, No, no. I'm fine. And I know that you are like, I'm convincing, I'm convincing ad ops. Like, no, she says she's good and she's totally good. And she'll record whatever I, we need her to record. But just in case you're, we're, we're doing you're it, giving we're doing her, it. So I'm just look. saying like barring any like medical issue, like you have time to go into a closet. Like, <laughs> so know. here's the episode. It's yeah. evergreen. We're maybe, maybe we have some updates. Well, I don't think we should do updates on evergreen. We'll do updates on an episode that though we know that it's coming out upcoming. You're, you're a dictator. <laughs> I just want people to know you're bossy and you rule with a thick iron fist. In this small arena, I control only because you don't have the email login and Instagram the login. amount of things where I'll be like, what about this? You'll be like, no, because then I'll be like, okay. Right. Like you I don't have the mental energy. You can't check my work. I could be lying. Right, well, let's get into a whole new bushel of questions yeah. and then we'll uh, hopefully get follow-ups on those. Right. No double dipping. No people who have already asked questions. Here's the problem, and I think I've talked about this before, is that sometimes people are better at writing concise questions. And so, yes, it is easier for me to read their questions. But you know what? I'll try to get better about reading people's longer rambles. I had to edit. When I did Rebecca's episode, I had to edit so much. People give so much context. People need to be better self-editors. Like, what's really relevant here? Well, then the problem is, like, I pre-edited those, but it was kind of like, well, what are you going to clue really? in on? Yeah. What's going to be of interest? What's going to, you know? Okay. Just know, if it's too long, what happens is I stop being objective <laughs> and I start to dislike you. Yeah. And it is a mental exercise on my part by the end to not... <laughs> already be against you. Even if you're like, I have cancer and I'm going to work for a nonprofit. I'm like, you're a bad person because your question was so long. <laughs> Could send it to your high school English teacher and edit it down. And I know a lot of you are like, we are those high school English teachers. I'm like, well, then leave him. Check it. Hey, AIA gang. Not a nurse or a grad student here, but a former sommelier turned stay-at-home mom. I am wrestling with some guilt brought on only by overthinking, I'm sure. Feeling guilty about not going back to work and staying home with my son. We are fine financially thanks to my husband's trust. 
Ooh. But I can't shake the Ooh. feeling I should be bringing in money somehow. As a sommelier post-COVID, most of us lost our salaries and were dropped to a tipped-out position, which means— Most of us lost our sense of smell. <laughs> so they can't, they can't figure out what the notes of the wine are. Yeah. <laughs> which means $2.13 an hour in the great state of Louisiana where we live. Being hella sarcastic on the great. Those of us who have salaries typically got innumerable responsibilities piled onto us. Oh, my God. Yeah. On top of our usual job. So the restaurant doesn't have to hire another manager, which means I would be just, working. Just, 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 just so people know why you said, oh, my oh, God, because your cat is once again showing its butthole and in your face. Okay. Just because that's, we're going to keep that in because it's too hard to edit out. And you're just like, most of us, that sounds, oh, my God. <laughs> Just without context, it was weird. Okay, go on. Sorry. <laughs> so, which means I would be at work probably 10 hours a day. My husband is a chef at a fine dining restaurant, and his hours are even more brutal. I know that going back into my line of work probably would only bring in enough money to pay for daycare and not much more. My husband has insisted he's absolutely fine with me staying home. Do you have any advice or words of affirmation for me to put my mind at ease and enjoy my time with my son instead of feeling this guilt? P.S. Liza and Emily, thank you so much for making this podcast. I was pregnant all summer and part of August in Ugh. New Orleans when it was 110 Ugh. plus degrees out for weeks at a time. Ugh. And y'all saved my sanity. Can't wait to see you in New Orleans next time you come through. Not anonymous. My name is Emily. Well, Emily, I will be there in 2024. I'm actually, I have the date right in front of me, but it's secret. Uh, first of all, I don't know why you're sommelier in New Orleans where everyone's drinking yardstick margaritas in the streets, but okay. I know it's a food scene. Listen to me. Why do you feel guilty? Do you feel guilty because you are like, I want to contribute. This is who I am. If you have a trust and there's a lot of money, I mean, I would love it if my husband was just a billionaire and I would literally never buy anything. I'd be like, I don't care. Do you feel guilty because society's telling you to feel guilty? Do you feel guilty because you are that? Look, every woman that writes in is like, I'm a hard worker. I've been working since I was two. I guess it's the question is, where's the root of your guilt? Is it that you want your own money? So I can't answer that, but I can tell you this. First of all, what you are doing is work. Women are not compensated for it because it is hopefully our choice to have that baby. But please don't make the mistake of thinking, don't believe the lies that society says that like being a stay-at-home mom is not work. And it's a luxury. And I don't mean that you're spoiled or anything, but it is nice to have that option to stay at home if I were to say something in favor of staying home with your child, this is precious time that you won't get back. They will not always be this sweet. They will not want to hold your hand while they're taking a dump in the future. <laughs> and it's about memories for you. So this is very special. You can always go back to work. There will always be work. It doesn't sound like it's financially that fulfilling. What you don't also want to do, what you don't want to do is like kill yourself on the principle of breaking in pennies. Do not feel bad. We have only women struggle with this. I've never heard a dad that's like, I feel bad about being a stay-at-home dad because men are not taught this kind of guilt around their decisions. You always worked, so it's just weird to not be working. Maybe you can do consulting. Maybe there's a way that you can do wine that actually is lucrative, productive, but it's not sustainable to be going back and making that little money and you're probably having to do like side work. You had, you chose to have a family and you're taking care of your family. And please leave me alone. If it's like, yeah, why? Just because I can't stay home means I'm not, not about you. This is about Emily. This is about society wanting you to feel bad 
By the way, think about the guilt you would feel if you were at work not making money and you weren't home with your kid. You're going to feel bad either way, so you may as well do the one that benefits two people, the other one being your child. Don't give in to what society wants, which is just for you to feel bad in any scenario. You can go back to work in like four years, three years. You can put them in daycare, whenever. You can go back to work whenever you want, but you, you want to be home with this kid. That's part of why you made this choice. Your husband seems like a good guy. Nobody's going to hold it over you that he makes the money. Like this is nobody's fucking business. If you feel really bad about it, start an Instagram page where you feed people their own nostalgia and make a dollar a day. Well, I can understand. Yeah. Now is a great time for if you're worried about not working, start looking into legalizes a consulting, but other areas where your expertise could maybe come in handy or a different kind of job. Maybe you need a certification to do a different kind of job, like small pieces so that you can set yourself up to, if you're dying to go back to work, go back to work in a few years. Do that with all that free time because being a stay-at-home mom (laughs) is so easy. Do that when the kid's napping, while you're having your drinks, all that free time, (laughs) party girl. Take it. Dear AIA crew, love listening to your podcast on my way to work because it puts me in a confident and kind of sassy mood. I love that. <laughs> you get out of the car, like yeah. you're drinking your coffee with your tongue out. Like, I have a sip. I'm sassing around. <laughs> the visual was better than the joke. So. It was. <laughs> I have less of a question, more of a request for a little help to get over my brain fucking regarding a situation I cannot change. I, 34, female, am a senior attending of a surgical department at a hospital. My boyfriend and I have been in a relationship for about four years now, moved in together, and want to take the next step to enlarge our family. Side note, he already has kids, and the patchwork That's a weird way to say it. Enlarge our family. Enlarge is always followed by, like, a body part. I think of it as, like, quiverful. Like, more, like, we got to get more of the face. Yeah. Enlarge them. Yeah. Engorge our family. (laughs) Sorry. Side note, he already has kids, and the patchwork situation is working out great. But- Here is the dilemma. At work, I am part of a small team of people who are qualified to do a 25-hour shift and perform emergency surgeries during the nights, on Sundays, holidays, etc. Since the most common surgery in our field requires using x-rays, I would obviously not feel comfortable doing those if I knew I was pregnant. This would force me to break the news to everyone as soon as I find out because someone else would have to take over my shifts since during those, no one else is around who could operate instead of me. I feel like having a baby is the most intimate experience between two people and I'm uncomfortable with and annoyed by the fact that I need to tell everyone right from the start because we all know that first trimester can be crucial. My coworkers are amazing and we're more family and friends than we are colleagues, but still it's a weird thought, especially having to tell everyone if, knock on wood, something happens during the first three months. Also, as you mentioned in your book, there kind of is this feeling of jinxing it when announcing a pregnancy so early. There are not many female attendings in surgical fields in my hospital, and the ones I know had their babies during residency, which makes it possible to cover up during the first three months because you always have an attending by your side who does the surgeries for or with you. Do you have any advice on how to be at peace with the fact that I have to share these intimate details with my whole team because there simply isn't another way, and at the same time, don't put too much pressure on the situation so I can enjoy this next step? Thanks in advance for what I... (laughs) what I hope will be empowering, funny, and motivating advice. I love your books, the podcast, the specials, but most of all, your last two shows in Vienna because seeing you live was absolutely great. Thank you for your work. I wish you all the best for the birth of your baby boy. Many thanks in advance. I love Vienna. 
And I can say in Vienna in German, which is in Wien. You're putting so much pressure on your motivating, empowering, funny, insightful advice. Are you ready? Well, listen. Well, first, my question is, does that mean that if you are an x-ray tech, I'm not positive what exactly what your job is because I think in Europe, the, the names are different. But like, does that mean you're just getting exposed to x-rays all day? Because they're always they're always behind a wall. So is that a fact that you're just dealing with x-ray on you? If I you work there? I guess if you're doing like whatever emergency services where you're the only person you have to be okay. in the room, there's, there's, let's say that that's it. Let's say there's some Austrian, whatever it is. Like, let's say that you're right. I'm sure you are. There's no way I know more than you about this. It just seems odd to me. Uh, but let's say that you're right, that you get exposed to x-ray and you're, my piece of advice to you is going to be uh, very stern, but at the same time, it's a very Austrian thing to say, which is you're going to have to get over it. And it sucks because I've been there specifically during this pregnancy because I, for the life of me, can't remember the last one. <laughs> I remember having, just so you don't feel alone, the same thoughts. I'm like, why does every man on my team, they happen to be men, have to know that I'm pregnant? That's right. Your publicist needs to know for certain things. Branding needs to know so they don't put you up for like alcohol spokesperson gigs. You know, your agents have to know. You go into the dentist, you have to tell them, you know, you're just telling this to these medical professionals, but it feels like a betrayal because you were hoping to keep it quiet, but you have to tell people. It is just part of the steps that you take in being a woman and protecting this new baby. There's no such thing as jinxing. And, uh, um, but, but I know we feel that way. I mean, I don't tell people, I'm actually people like, what do you have? What's the name for the baby? I'm like, I'm not telling you. It's bad. I keep calling him baby boy. I'm like, it's bad luck. I understand that. I understand that deeply embedded superstitious feeling. If you're saying these people are like family, you gather them and you say, here's what it is. It's early stages. I don't want to talk about it because we're being very protective, but I will need help in this area. This will not be the first time that you have to tell people, and in many cases, strangers, office administrative workers, people like that, that you're pregnant, usually for like legal reasons. You just have to do it. And it sucks. And I'm sorry. Gone are the days where you, just, I mean, unless you want to stay at home <laughs> and tell no, but you still have to tell people. Maybe it's like airport screening or when you go to prison, whatever. So it sucks. I'm sorry. It's a part of being a woman. Nothing is ours. Nothing is sacred. Everything is up for commentary. But I would just, when you tell people, do it with the caveat of, and I would really not, like to not talk about it until we're in the clear. That's it. Yeah. But I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, uh, you have a big fancy job, so can't get all those little x-rays on that little baby. Great, Emily. Great wrap up. <laughs> My medical take. After she asks for insightful, funny advice, I say, don't get x-rays on that baby. Or go for it. Maybe it comes out with superpowers. Who knows? <laughs> X He's an X-Men. <laughs> we don't want Professor X because he's differently abled. Kick it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
it happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. Hi, no, w- most women aren't going to get that reference, so it's okay. Hi, AI crew. Long-time listener, first-time question asker. I look forward to the podcast each week and catch myself wanting to contribute to the conversations. Question. I am 31-year-old female. I'm getting married this year. No, this is not a bridesmaid question. We're actually not having a wedding party. S- stand up. Having a wedding party stand up. Oh, nobody's standing up there. Okay. But it's still related to... I was like, oh, they're not having any stand up at their wedding. Good. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. But still related to wedding planning. Most, okay. Most of my close friends are already married and the majority have at least one child. I've had this feeling of excitement that it's now my turn to marry my great love and have my friends and family be there for me. Be on the receiving end of time, energy, planning, and celebration. And let's be honest, attention. Recently, one of my best friends asked if I would set up a meal train for her when she has her second baby in March or if I was too sick of planning to do it. I do have a lot of planning to do, but a meal train is fairly easy to set up. However, I feel a little annoyed by the ask. I said I'd happily contribute to the train as I couldn't help thinking it's my turn. I know a wedding is old news to you, but it's so exciting for me now. I'm a pretty low-key bride, but do I get to be a little selfish or am I the asshole for feeling irritated and not wanting to plan and coordinate the meal train at this time? My fiance didn't understand what a meal train was and was no help when I brought this up to him. I need a female opinion and one that is wise in all things wedding. Okay, we have to explain a meal train first. 
a meal tray. I mean, I think I think every woman listening to this knows what it is, but for the three men listening. <laughs> yeah. I also like how you're like, my husband didn't didn't know what it was at the beginning, so I never explained it. He still <laughs> never got it. Even when I did, he didn't understand the idea of setting up a scheduled meal drop-off. He's never had DoorDash. I like I, I like how he's like, I don't know, I'm out. Is it what? offensive that I have a real problem with this, with this person asking for the meal train for themselves, for their baby? Like, number one, where's your husband? Number two, where's your family? Number three, just ask your family and friends for the meals. Why are you making this other woman set up this train for you? Like, you weren't in a car accident. You weren't, you're, you're going to have yeah. a baby. Where is everyone else in your life to just, I would be, if somebody sent me like, could you bring me a meal because I'm having a baby? I'd be like, fuck you. Like, it's, you're fine. Who cares? Like, I, I I don't know I but I I don't have any kids I don't I just I think of well, meal trains as someone who is like going through something medically whose family has suffered loss they've lost their house to a fire like that's what I think of not like I'm gonna be too busy like there's two of you or let's say you're single really it's just you and the baby order DoorDash like come on hold on all right first of all you am need I to getting, relax you're coming off as hateful? real unlikable yeah <laughs> Nielsen ratings are going down for you <laughs> I had a friend that had a meal train and it's funny because my husband's a chef. I'm like, we'll just go open up one of the 35 frozen things that he's already made. His job is making the food. I'm the one that has to breastfeed the baby. Plus we had help. So we, no one even offered. They were like, we know Eliza, know her good. Um, I could see a meal train. If you are first time parents, maybe you only have one income. Maybe one of you had to take off work. It's hard and it's scary and you're tired. So you don't want to cook and you don't know how to take care of the baby. It's valid. But in a perfect world, it is something that people would set up for you. Not if you have friends like Emily who would never think of you. <laughs> I guess, is this your best friend? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like Let's this see. is a one, friend. One of my best friends. Okay. okay. But I'm annoyed Listen by the ask. Um. It's that thing with women where it's like, well, I'm having a baby. This is clearly the most important thing. It's not about diminishing your wedding, but like it is huge to be having a child. And we do sort of downplay that in our society. It's a little, it's not selfish, but it is sort of that mom brain thing of like not thinking about what anyone else is going through. And she probably doesn't, you know, it's not like planning. Look, none of these things take up 24 hours of your day. I'm going to have a baby and I'm like, I can still record an ad. Maybe you're the most responsible. Maybe she felt the safest with you. You could also, listen, speak up for yourself and be like, I am so slammed with this wedding. I, would, I wouldn't mind starting an email chain. You, it, it could be literally as easy as starting an Excel spreadsheet and being like, hey, you guys, fill in the days that you could do it. And then it's shareable. I, and then you don't have to do anything. But you have to tell her, you, you're wanting this to be all about you unfortunately, the time in your life where it could be all about you has passed because your friends have already done the thing and you feel owed this. You got to get that out of your head. It will probably cost you nothing to set up that meal train. By, literally, it's just a group thread like, hey, we have this, these two weeks. I'll do Monday. Who's got, like, who could fill this thing in? You write it down. Or just tell her, you'll be like, I am at max capacity. I would love to drop off something for you, but I don't know that I can orchestrate that. So she and said she to her, I'd happily okay. contribute to the train. So we don't know okay, really so how the friend reacted, but basically she was, our person was like, I'll contribute. Like, let someone else set up the Excel. Okay, great. You said that. Sorry. Uh, get used to people being selfish. Having kids makes you not selfish, but sort of only think about yourself and the kid because that's what your brain needs to do. 
you are allowed to want this to be all about you, but don't set your expectations so high. The day of the wedding is all about you. Your bachelorette party is all about you. But other than that, it really is just you on the phone with vendors, <laughs> like kind of planning it. It's kind of a stressful, lonely endeavor. I think you have this fantasy of what it is and your friends are happy for you, but don't forget to be happy for them as they have their first child. I think there's enough to go around and you're kind of like, hey, I'm the last one to this party. Make this about me. And they will day of, but people become different when they have kids. I will say I come in with a kind of bias because I was thinking about this the other day. I think a lot of the time the people that ask for um, like kickstart GoFundMes and meal trains and stuff, half the time, at least it's people where I'm like, you would actually be fine if you didn't have this. And people who oh. really need it often aren't. Like somebody who really is like in dire straits is not setting up a GoFundMe a lot. This is not true 100% yeah. of the a time. GoFundMe. Go like, fund me. Or like a meal. Tra- I just feel like the people that I see in my, in that I follow that are like, we need help with this bill, right? This medical bill, this whatever. I'm always kind of like, you're two people. You're fine. Like you have families that I know support you. Yeah. you have, whereas I'm like, oh, I'll just pay $10,000 for Rizzoli's surgery. And I would never be, I would never think because I know at the end of the day, like I'm going to be okay. I think that I come at it from a, a perspective. Like I'm imagining this woman who might have nothing and be a single mom asking for a she meal might. train. That's the other thing. It is totally you know fine. And I'm Hold like, on. we always this. tell women to speak up for what they need. So this woman might actually need that. She might. I do. And by the way, like you can, a meal train does seem like a very down-home thing that your friends and family put together because they know you need help. If you have money, this is going to be controversial, I don't think you should be asking for a meal train. I don't. It should be someone's like, hey, we want to bring over something. But if you are two able-bodied people with time and resources, like you chose to have a kid, don't put this on your friend. The meal train, it seems... Like it's for a certain socioeconomic situation and maybe it's like a little dated. Like if I know your parents are millionaires and you're asking for a meal train, like. Uh, well, and if somebody had set it up, if somebody else had just set it up, but her asking for it rubs me the wrong way because of, again, yeah, my own you. my own experiences. Now she might need it. Like, but going, it. going back to All our right. question asker who wants this one, one thing for herself, I similarly have a tendency where if someone makes me mad, I'm annoyed with them. It might be really easy to set up the meal train, but I would refuse because I'm so annoyed by being asked in the first place. This is a subject a lot of people are going to have disparate opinions on. So we welcome them. Yeah. People are going to be mad at me. It's It's okay. I'll be okay. Finally, a question for the queen of friend breakups. Highlights, baby arm, <laughs> hot Scotty. Please play the song. Hot Scotty number one, number one, hot Scotty. Hot Scotty number two, number two, hot Scotty. Noah, my daughter's name and what a kick-ass name it is. Sierra and mystery name Blue Bundle of Joy and all the fur babies. I have a question I would love your take on. When I was 16, I became pregnant. Shockingly, my Catholic school had a teen parenting program. Talk about the epitome of hypocrisy. And it was through this program I met someone that I would identify as my best friend for many years. Wait, how is that the epitome of hypocrisy? Catholics don't want you to get rid of the baby, so it would stand to reason that a church would be like, and we'll help you take care of this decision we were hoping to take away from you. <laughs> right. Okay. Her son was born only nine days after mine. We literally raised our children together hand in hand. We did everything together. 
She got married shortly after. I believe she was 19 maybe, but didn't marry her son's father, thank God. And as life does, it became a little more difficult to spend time together. She moved out of our city to a small town about 30 minutes away because that's where her husband's family was from. It's okay because we went to the same university and still spent a good amount of time together. It initially started with me messaging her and calling her to make plans to get together. This went on for years and years, but we actually did end up spending the time together, except I was always driving to her. Either way, I was happy because we got to spend time together. We were so close that when she became pregnant with her second, she called me before she told her husband. I was literally the first person to know. Then, when I would try to make plans with her, she became more and more quiet until eventually it felt like I was constantly trying to get a response from her, but never would. Eventually, when I tried to address the feelings I was having, namely feeling like I was putting more effort in than I was receiving, she gave me some stupid line along the lines of, but that's why we're such good friends. When we do talk, it feels like we were never apart. Some context on my end, I'm a full-time shift worker who was a single mom for a long time. In addition to this, I just created a business for myself. She got a nursing degree and worked for a very short time before becoming a strictly stay-at-home mom, which I believe she's very happy about. I married my husband in 2019. We've been together since 2017. We have since had a child together that my friend has never met. She's now had a total of five children, three of which I've never met, nor was I told she was pregnant, but had to find out from Facebook pictures. My oldest daughter, who is slightly older than her oldest son, has since been diagnosed with a rare and complicated disorder that makes it so we spend months in the hospital at a time. Oh, it's awful. Oh, my God. This is a person who needs a meal train. There you, I'm always like, and now's my chance. Now's my time to shine. Okay. Yeah. This person who was so involved and important in my life hasn't sent even one message or made one phone call since my child has been diagnosed with this rare disorder about three years ago. Yes, I'm very open about it on social media as we've often had to lean on our friends for support while in the hospital, and she is definitely aware. It's been at least five years since I attempted to have a talk with her about how hurt I felt and got the weird blow-off response. I don't care to have people on my social media if they're not in my life. Do I tell her I'm removing her from my social media? Do I give her another shot to put any effort in? Do I just remove her and silently fade into darkness? What's the proper answer here? Help, Chris from Calgary. Chris, when you remove her, you're trying to draw a boundary. Uh, You're saying like, you're not in my life because you hurt me. And I hope that you see this and I hope you feel bad. Do not do that. Even though I literally did it the other day. <laughs> but they started it. Um, I'm really coming off like I have no friends. You were <laughs> friends and you served a purpose for her. You were there for her. You drove to her. And when you're together, it's great. But the effort wasn't important enough to her. The friendship wasn't important enough for her for her to uphold her end. And she didn't need to because you were always doing everything. You're at different places in your life. It's awful that you have a child who's in the hospital that much. She does have five kids. And you're saying like, you could at least throw me a text. I was going to say, you know, she's probably feeling like she doesn't know what to say. She's overwhelmed. The truth is she doesn't care. It's not that she hates you. It's not pointed. It's actually worse than that. She just doesn't care. And this whole friendship existed because you put in the effort. She let it go. And now you need to let it go. You have your child to focus on. This friend hurt you. And now you're not friends anymore. If she wants to reach out one day with like a mea culpa, then I'm sure you'd be ready for it. But you don't need to make this grand high school gesture of like unfriending you on all platforms. You could simply mute her. Is that an option on Facebook? 
I think you can like push it. Yeah, you can be like, don't show this on my feed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, just uh, elegantly erase it from your life. If you feel it would solve anything to unfriend her, she's obviously never going to say anything. So you can, but I think it will take more energy to do that versus just mute everything. Make sure you don't appear on hers. She doesn't appear on yours. You were friends and you're not now. And you're expecting her. You're expecting a behavior from her that she's never exhibited because your situation got worse. You bonded over being single moms together. You bonded over being young moms together. And now you both have husbands and your own families and your own things. And she doesn't serve a purpose. Do you really want to like spend time explaining everything? I mean, I'm sure you would, I'm sure you have other friends, but like, what if she was like, oh my God, I feel so bad. Why don't you guys drive over here? Then you'll be even more mad. You were friends. Now you're not. And it's, it just faded away. And it never worked for you in the first place. So it sucks because you were like, when we're together, it's so fun. It's like, yeah, when I go to you to make it work. That's not a friendship. Yeah. That's it. Her even saying it it, like, oh, but when we, it's like no time has passed at all. It's like, yeah, because you're not making it awkward for her. You're just brushing past how she's never been there for you. This is not. You know what did pass? The five hours it took to get to your house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't think about this person anymore. They're, or drive to her and listen to our podcast. <laughs> and and make sure to listen all the way through the ads. <laughs> it hurt your feelings and that's and that's fair. But right now, if there's any further damage incurred, it's because you signed up for it. Yeah. I'm sorry. She sounds like a real bee. Hey, Liza. Emily. Fur babies and real ones. Oh, real babies. For a second, I just thought it was like, oh, and the real ones. You know, like the cool, cool people doing this podcast. Yeah. I Herbies and real ones. I have an experience. My sex group and all my friends. Sorry, God. <laughs> I have an experience. A real pickle of a dilemma. For job purposes and other manners, I would like to remain anonymous. I'm a 40-year-old female who's involved in an off and on again, almost 10-year situationship with a guy. Let's call him T. I was in love with T for the first few years of the relationship. Then due to the constant inconsistency, lack of communication, him move around a bit, I made the bold move, decided to tell him I could no longer talk to him. So I ceased all communication. Fast forward to three years ago when I found out that T was not doing so well. At this point, I was over him, but I still cared about him as a friend. So I reached out and messaged him on Facebook. I received no response back until last March and we began talking again. To add another layer to this, in between the time we were not speaking six years, I was communicating with his brother. Nothing serious was going on between T's brother and me, just messaging each other about similar interests we had in various other topics. It was really innocent. The communication with T's brother and I at this time was random. Summer of 2022, T's brother asked me to hang out with him and go to a comedy show in New York City. Unfortunately, not one of your shows. (laughs) Real bad taste on his part. I was surprised and delighted at the same time. I was somewhat hesitant only because of mine and T's past. I was worried if word got back to T that his brother and I hung out, that T would be upset. Yes, I know this is stupid. The meetup didn't work, but then his brother messaged again the same summer and said he would be at a concert about 15 minutes from my house. I, of course, feeling uneasy about it, blew off his brother and made up an excuse to get out of going on a quasi-date. This all occurred prior to me reconnecting with T and seeing him for the first time in six years, last April. Fortunately and unfortunately, the reconnection was good because I did get some clear closure 
and bad because T was still mentally unstable and was inconsistent with his communication. A couple of months ago, his brother and I were messaging each other more often and began developing some feelings for each other. He asked me to hang out a few weeks ago and we actually did the hangout. He drove quite a distance to where I lived and we went on a date. The date was good. He was a gentleman. He did express his concerns about us moving forward, but I was pretty blatant with T's brother about how I've moved on from the situation with T. He did say he had a good time. Since our date, the communication has waned a bit with T's brother and seems inconsistent. Not sure what went wrong. It was hot and heavy communication prior to the get-together. I really do like him, and he did mention that he liked me. He did also mention that it had been a couple of years since he was in a relationship or date. Not sure what to do. How do I navigate this two-brother dilemma? Is it wrong on me to want to date T's brother? P.S. I loved your Netflix special, Elder Millennial, especially someone who falls in that age gap. Love to see you in the tri-state area, NYC. I hope you come to this area soon. Love the pod. Yours, a tired elder millennial. You are not over T. No. And the communication with his brother is just to keep him somewhat in your orbit. You said the communication waned. There are billions of other men on this planet. This is a bad look. I could understand if you and T were really good friends and you fell in love with the brother, but it already was like weird and strained. And then it's like, all right, you know, you asked me out again. Okay, look, you were a gentleman. That's what you're giving him credit for. You're hoping to date a facsimile of T who is mentally unavailable. And from what it sounds like, this guy is also a little unavailable. Move on. That's it. Move on from the friendship with T. I don't know what you guys went through because I don't think you're capable of being friends with him without it being a little too deep. And there's really nothing between you and the brother because what you have in common is T. And it's weird. The brother didn't even get a name. He's just T's brother. We've got T and T's brother. Move away from the whole thing. Yeah. In a year, in a, in a few months, if you're like, I, I can't stop thinking about the brother, maybe it's something, but I don't think it is. It's not. No, it's weird. And then you'll just be the girl that slept with two brothers. That sounds like Move a really on. sad movie. It's too movie. sticky. <laughs> the girl that slept with two brothers, starring Ryan Reynolds as himself and the other brother. <laughs> and Anna Ferris. Kick it. Top of the cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right. Every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. My top of the cob is I always call back to Sierra. Like, I'll let her be alone in her room. But if I'm like, Sierra, are you okay? She'll, she'll say, yes. Like, she has to always answer that she's not dead. Yeah. So she's at the back of the car. She's in the in, the, in her car seat. And she, I just heard, like, little noises. And I said, are you okay? And she went, No. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, Sierra's thinking and resting. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> thinking, and, he's two years old. She's like, I'm thinking and resting. Because I always tell her, rest where you can. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. Again, she has great boundaries. What are you thinking about? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a quick, concise, very cute, undeniably cute top of the cup. That's what I'm going to say what's I'm doing. Time? What? So I'm going to start telling people I'm doing when they're like, what are you up to? What'd you, what'd you get up to this weekend? I'm like, oh, thinking and resting. That's your AIM away message. Yeah. Thinking and resting. <laughs> uh, my top of the cop is Instacart. Look, it's more expensive than it should be. I'm paying for convenience. I don't like going to the store. It's a waste, blah, blah, blah. 
Okay, but it is nice when they do it all right. When they make good substitutions, when things aren't in the store, mm. when it's easy, when they don't get lost on my street, when they just leave it and you just get a little door knock or a text message and you go outside and there's just groceries there. And there are times when that kind of convenience, if when I have the means, is worth paying for. And it's very satisfying to just go, oh, I just have to put this in the fridge and freezer now rather than spend weeks eating old crap that's like gone bad. Meal trains. <laughs> Old broken down meal train. Yeah, because I hate is shopping. It, okay, is a meal train appropriate if you email your friends and say, run a train on me? A meal train, that is. <laughs> I am at, Load it with lasagna. <laughs> that email would need to be in like a lot of fonts and colors, you know? Yeah. To indicate that, that I'm making a really good joke with a meal train, that is. Well, what you're saying, your top of the cob is, is when things that you pay for work properly. Which honestly is is not that common. So yeah, it's a top it's when not. it goes right. For sure. <laughs> um, fan top? I thought Eliza would like this. I'd been in need of some new pants for work, but I'd not gotten to the store to get them. I was cleaning and organizing my closet, and I found five perfectly nice pairs, but they didn't really fit. I took them into a tailor, and she had <gasps> them, and then left them out a bit, and they fit so nice and look so lovely. This is nice to me Love because that. I didn't have to donate the pants. I got to support a small business and spend less money on five new pairs of pants. Love you guys in the show. Aaron. I love that, Aaron. Good for you. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay, bottom of the cob. Uh, I do acknowledge that a lot more of my tops and bottoms revolve around my child, but such is life. Yeah. So I'll make this, it's really less about her. She was sick. She had to get these eye drops. <sighs> and what sucks, first of all, this was the first time my daughter was really sick and I got a taste of how horrifically frustrating it is to be the parent of a sick child. And my heart really goes out to anyone who has to do multiple doctor visits, has to be in a hospital. Like this was so hair pulling out, frustrating. I can't imagine what it's like if you have a kid who's chronically ill because you're just so fucked. And it was basically, my assistant went to go get Sierra's medicine and CVS, this is the level of care we're dealing with here, was like, we don't have a prescription for her. Yeah. We're like, really? Because we saw the doctor at 9 a.m. They said they called it in and it's like noon now. The guy was like, we don't have it. And then he was like, oh, also our computer's dead. So it might be in there. And it's just, we can't find it because it glitched this morning or something. Just like this weird thing where versus, like instead of your first thing being like, it's not there. Just being like, oh, by the way, we had a major malfunction. Then we get the guy to admit. And if it is there when we boot back up, we probably won't be ready till three at the earliest. And so it's just this thing where you're like, why couldn't you have just delivered all of that information at once? Keep in mind, this is the same pharmacy that when I took birth control, one day I showed up there like, we don't have you on record. I'm like, the birth control I pick up every month for the last five years, just, it's not there. Oh, here it is. Ugh. Okay. The, please, pharmacist, don't email me with, well, because here's the other side of it. We get the eye drops. My assistant comes home and she has three boxes of eye drops. Sierra only needed the one. And it was $50, which is not a ton of money, but it's not about the money. And it's still, and I was like, why was this $50? And I was like, why are there three? And like the pharmacy even wrote on there, one of three, two of three, three of three. And I was like, she just needs one. It's for three days of eye drops. She just needs one. She was like, well, that's what the prescription said. So I called the doctor's office. The doctor's 
the woman answering the phone was not nice. And I know if you work in a doctor's office, like we have to deal with patients. There's no reason to be like kind of bitchy right off the bat. And she was just rude. And I was like, I'm just wondering why it's my assistant's fault for being so young that she's not used to checking these normal things. Why would she have known what, how many boxes, why would she have known the prescription? But to a discerning eye, knowing that it was three days, I would have been like, why are there three boxes here? And the assistant at the doctor's office after like kind of, I know, I don't really say, kind of being a bitch, be like, hold, hold, gets back on. And she's like, that's, that's not what the prescription is. I don't know why they did that. I'm like, but why would they do that if that wasn't like, as the consumer and as the patient advocate, I couldn't tell who made the mistake and everyone was willing to blame the other. It's like when your cable isn't working and they're like, it's the internet. And the internet's like, it's the cable company. It's it's your computer. It's your this. Somehow it's no one's fault, but it's your problem. So in the end, you just eat the money. And I think that just happens where you just end up eating all these costs. So then you become pedantic about small costs because it, you're just endlessly getting fucked. So it was just really frustrating that nobody would give me an answer. And I don't, it was just really frustrating. So my heart goes out to parents who are having to deal with these office workers and doctors who have no bedside manner that you can never get a hold of. Everyone's at lunch and the pharmacy. CVS, get your fucking shit together. <laughs> and you just have no way of knowing where the mistake was. And even if you, you can't return the medicine, even though it's unopened. That, I mean, I would, that's tough because I would, I would just go, oh, okay, well, the doctor said I needed this. I need, like, there are certain roles where I just, I'm like, uh, what I'm supposed to, I'm either trusting someone and I'm taking three and I'm paying $50 or every time I talk to someone who should be an expert in their field, I have to be like, are you sure? Like, so when I, if I ever go to that office again, I'm going to be like, I need to see the prescription you wrote last time. It just sucks that you, like, I hate that I have to, yeah, that, that, that you have to advocate for yourself so hard is like, why can't I just trust that this will be correct? And then the doctor's like, well, I'm the doctor. I'm like, but I, but you're, you're not infallible. And this is on the heels of my assistant telling me that a random chin acne cream for my dog was $80. And I almost had an Andrew. I go, you paid 80? She doesn't even have chin acne. And I looked at her little whale chin. Are you sure? It looks the same it did. No, but it looks the exact same it has always looked. So I don't think it's bothering Crazy her. Crazy had chin acne. And then she, I know, that's why I'm telling you this. But then- <laughs> She was like, oh, wait, no, it's actually $10. I was like, well, then I don't fucking care. <laughs> My dog doesn't have chin acne. She has little whale barnacles and they're part of her. No, well, it can, but it can get bad is the problem. It's fine. No, it's not going to get bad. Her chin has looked the exact same because I've chronicled it on Instagram since the day I got her. <laughs> There's too much I'm sorry, moisture. some new vet. This vet was like, wow, look at these mouth scars. I'm like, they've been there literally since the day we got her. Can we please move on? <laughs> Don't talk about her scars. That's where the kisses go. What's yours? What's your bottom? My bottom is not making time for things that you enjoy doing. I feel like lately, I just, I haven't been watching movies. I haven't been doing my podcast. I get off work and I just go like stare at a yeah. wall. Again, bed. Like I just, I'm not carving out time. And then you're like, why am I miserable? I saw. I feel like there's some. Yeah. I like Instagram video I saw where it's like somebody's like, oh, I'm depressed. Or like, okay, are you exercising? No. Are you eating well? No. Are you seeing your friends? No. Are you Getting seeing your sunlight? family? Are you no. going outside? Yeah. No. And you're like, but it's just feeling like there's not even time to do the things that you like because you're just like, well, what do I do today? I'm working on this, and I have to run errands, and I have to do yeah. this. And I think it just it takes such a concentrated effort to carve that time out. But it just, it's yeah. such a, it is a bottom of the cop when you're at that point where you're just like, I'm 
fine. I'm not going to do anything. It's too hard to pick a movie. I don't want to charge my PlayStation controller. I'm tired. Wait, is this your cry for help? I don't want to make fun of you if this is you saying. No, I don't think. I mean, I don't think it's quite a cry for help if you like, like I recognize the pattern. You know what I mean? Like I can see it. You sound like you're, because you're smart, but it sounds like you're writing into the podcast. I mean, it is a concerted (laughs) effort. I mean, we talk about this all the time to like that self-care. Yeah. Like making that time to clean your house and do all those things. I mean, you need to carve out like physical activity. Like even if it's just a walk during the day. Yeah. You got to carve it out. I should go outside. Without your phone. Yeah. But I think you share a feeling that millions of people in America feel. Which is just you operate only on burnout. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Where then you're like doing anything else is too much work. Like choosing an activity, making a meal. I, I physically am in pain thinking about like doing something. But I do find that once I do it, it kind of like the levy breaks and I start doing more. Yeah. But maybe you just need a meal train so you have free time. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I would yeah. never ask for one because guess what? If I went to my parents and I was like, I don't like to cook. They'd be like, here, we made you a meatloaf. Here, we made you a salad. Here, like I have those resources. Right. All right. Uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. No, it's 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 very valid. I get it. Ban. What if I was like try do try feeling that way? Pregnant. I hate when people do that. <laughs> Wait till it gets worse. <laughs> Fan bottom is uh, from yeah. our our Austrian question asker, uh, the X-ray person. Okay. P.S. I also have a bottom of the cup for you. Every year on my birthday, I like to treat my mom to something special because in my eyes, she's the true hero of this day who did all the work in 1990 and deserves to be appreciated and spoiled. So this year, I booked a spa day for the both of us. Unfortunately, the facial treatment lady needed to smoke some cigarettes right before she was all over my face for an hour. Oh! That smell, even after washing and disinfecting her hands and wearing gloves, was so, so gross. At least my mom no. had the treatment before her smoke, so for her, it was still a nice experience. Unacceptable. Ugh. But also, like, Europe never got the memo that smoking kills because they don't give a fuck. No. And it's transferred to the coast because New Yorkers are also like, if I throw the cigarette on the ground, I bet it don't go in the water. It's like, it totally does, Tony. Uh, that's awful. And I actually would have stopped and been like, I know I, I know this is going to bother you, but I can't with the cigarette. Oh, my God. Yeah. People get so offended when you're like, could you, you're breathing on me. Do not. Just put on a mask or could you take off a layer of your skin? <laughs> Oh, wait, do we get canceled by all the estheticians? Like, if I want to kill myself in my off hours, it's my fucking business. Wait, my top of the cup should have been that a guy behind me on the train was um, snoring really wet and loud. So loud. What train? Marta, the Atlanta, like, train system. Okay. Uh, He was snoring so wet and loud. And because he fell asleep, he dropped his phone. And then it dropped on the hard ground and and it cracked. And I was like, that's what you get for breathing so loud right next to me. Oh, I love it when there's like instant karma or like when someone's inconvenience that's annoying. Like this man is probably tired from whatever and I was so furious that he was breathing so loud. Somebody on Instagram posted the thing of like that feeling of satisfaction when the kid who's running around screaming at a restaurant falls. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Folks, we'll see you next time. As we always say, steak is nice, but butter's better. Go. 
go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.